When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, Tom Davis here, America's canine educator. Welcome to the No Bad Dogs podcast, the podcast where we love, live, and of course, we work with dogs. Today, I wanted to hop on here and discuss something that's been happening over the years. It's been so relevant. Um, A lot of people deal with this. A lot of people struggle with this. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of frustration more more than anything, I think, because people just don't um, I think dog owners and sometimes dog trainers and just the, the overall dog community just doesn't understand some of the concepts between the difference between behavior modification and dog training and obedience and trying to get rid of primal behaviors and ingrained behaviors. And it just creates a lot of conflict and a lot of frustration for for everybody. So I'm going to dive into that today. And I appreciate you guys listening. If you guys haven't yet, do me a solid favor. I'm asking you for a favor. All you have to do if you haven't yet is in the review page on this podcast platform, however you're listening to this, leave the the No Bad Dogs podcast review. That's one of the ways you guys can help give feedback on this. And of course, you guys can win some No Bad Dog merch if you Actually, read the review, screenshot it, and share it with me on Instagram on the story at Tom Davis. And for those of you who are on Apple, and I don't know if this is true for the other um, podcasting platforms, is it won't show up immediately, so don't worry. Just screenshot what you wrote, so that way I know you've entered. And I would appreciate that very much, guys. And I also want to thank my friends over at Dogtra, Dogtra.com, who makes all of the e-collars that I use in my dog training online that you guys see on YouTube, as well as we talk about here on the podcast. So thank you, Dogtra, for supplying uh, everybody with the best e-collars, the most. And, and the big thing about Dogtra, guys, is it's the most functionality, really easy to use collar, which is why I recommend it so much to so many people is because you can put it in your hand and there's not all these different bells and whistles of things you really don't need. And it eliminates a lot of the confusion uh, about the e-collar for everyday dog owners. So I recommend the Dogtra 280C. It's one of my favorite units. And Dogtra is actually giving all of my No Bad Dog listeners discounts. So you guys can get 10% off your entire order at Dogtra.com by using the discount NBD10. That stands for No Bad Dogs 10 at Dogtra.com for 10% off. Go check it out if you guys are wanting an e-collar. That's how to get some some monies off. And it's, uh, this, this podcast is also sponsored and brought to you by my friends over at Herm Springer. You guys know recently Herm Springer and I have joined forces and we're partnering up and we're working on a bunch of really great, great content for you guys. So it's going to be in video format. Of course, it's going to be on this podcast. Um, and we're going to be just doing some new things to innovate 
Herm Springer is a company that's been almost in business for 150 years based out of Germany, and they make the finest. It's not, And that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is Herm Springer doesn't just make prong collars. That's just one of the things they make. They make martingale collars. They make nylon collars. They make leashes. They make clips. They make neck techs. They make so many different collars, and I'm going to be discussing those with you guys in the future um, moving forward. So anyway, thank you, Herm Springer, for supporting the podcast and supporting me and giving me the opportunity to work with such a reputable, awesome company like yourself. So let's dive right into the podcast, guys. Okay, so this is going to be one of those podcast guys that I'm just going to go into it. I'm just going to dive in and, and start talking about it. Um, so been getting a lot of clients, uh, not only recently, but forever. This has been a forever thing. And I've touched on it a little bit, but I really want to dive into it now because I think a lot of people are just really frustrated with, with, with the problem and the issues at hand revolving this this entire subject. And it really comes down to primalistic, instinctual, spur-of-the-moment behaviors versus dog training. So when we discuss and we go over dog training, sometimes, or the majority of times, people will bring into mind of obedience, heel, place, paw, sit, stay, all that stuff, whatever you consider obedience. And that is completely and utterly separated from behavioral training. And then even with behavioral training, there's a lot of things that we just can't really go through. So oftentimes people will contract me or reach out to me and say, hey, I need this gone. I need this behavior gone. I need this training done. I need a guarantee. I need this. And it's it's we're going to dive into it but it's it's just it's really tough for us as dog trainers um and if you're listening you're a dog trainer this is going to hit home and if you're a dog owner this is also going to hit home because it's something you may be dealing with as well and if you have a dog that makes really fast decisions or makes instinctual decisions based off their breed specifically there's not much dog trainers no matter who you are how long you've been doing it what magical sources you have can do in these types of situations. So if somebody barges through your house and yells and screams and kicks over the lamp because they're drunk or they're bored or they're silly or whatever, and your dog attacks them or bites them or goes up and growls at them, the training that you've done, A, has never been that type of training. They've never seen that in their training regimen. It's something that you probably haven't worked on likely. And the dog is is acting and behaving off of instincts so instinctual behavior is something that it's really tough to train for. Really one of the only things that I suggest for people who deal with instinctual behaviors, like if you have a dog that is like you get a Mastiff or you get a Doberman or sometimes German Shepherds, depending on what lines. And that's another thing is like depending on what lines of dogs you get, the pedigree of the dog and what they were originally bred for off of the, their lines, like genetics – plays a huge role in the success and the consistency of your training. And a lot of people don't take into consideration um, what type of dog they're getting um, and, and putting it into their life or applying it to their life. I've even, I'm sure that there's businesses and things out there that um, are like this. I've even considered c creating just a breed consulting service where people who are looking for a dog but are unsure of what dog to get I would consult them in a way to, to guide them in the right direction, to to show them what type of breed fits best their life and their free time and their personality and all that stuff. So anyway, guys, what I'm finding is, is you can do all the training in the world with your dog. Your dog can literally drive a car, park itself, 
and then walk into the grocery store and come out and come back home. But just because they're that trained and to do certain behaviors and they, they follow commands and they understand certain behaviors, that doesn't mean that if something happens and your dog's instincts kick in, that doesn't mean that that dog's not going to react accordingly to how they feel they should act. Um, and we've been seeing a lot of this, a ton of this actually, where people will get a dog and will do a ton of training with that dog. The dog is really obedient. The dog responds to behavioral cues and verbal cues if you catch it at the right time and it's just, it's good. But then when something happens unpredictable, which is life, which is going to happen, what it does guys is it creates a lot of frustration and I think it creates a lot of vulnerability and a little bit of being naive to say like, hey, we've spent this much money, this much time on my dog's training, therefore I can do anything around and, and everybody else can do things around my dog. And it's not really the case. And so I work with a lot of dogs that, sure, I can take this particular dog and control it really well in a certain scenario, but there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't realize that when you see somebody else controlling that particular dog, especially if it's a dog that has that very primalistically... Um, protective mode in and stuff like that or potential like resource guarding or whatever there's two things that really play a big role into that the first thing is is the person who's handling that dog such as like myself or another professional that's our jobs we should be good at that if we can't handle a dog and it look good and be impressive then maybe we shouldn't be handling dogs or whatever the other thing is is that dog's going to act differently with me than it is for the owner or however you want to put that. And so if somebody's like, hey, when somebody comes into my house, my dog reacts like crazy and my dog goes nuts and my dog run lunges at them and tries to nip them and whatever, it's chaotic and bad. And I, and I take the dog and then I bring it to my house or even if I'm doing it at that my client's house and do it, it's not going to be the same because they know that I don't let, I don't allow them to get away with that. I don't live with them, therefore they don't really protect me as much as they would protect their owner. And all of these different things kind of roll into this this process, into this equation. Again, guys, like when you're doing dog training and you're doing obedience and your dog listens really well and responds to certain things, there is a lot of advantages to that when you're dealing with behavior modification and when you're dealing with a dog that reacts out of instinctual stuff or primal stuff or somebody knocks on the door and your dog goes crazy. I always tell people... Try not to go against nature and say like instead of teaching your dog not to bark at the door because I think that's unrealistic and it's too high of a standard, it's too high of an expectation. I don't think it's fair either. You can control your dog by knock, 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 bang, bang, bang. The dog reacts. You say Fido, leave it. The dog says, okay, I got to stop. Fido, come, place, downstay. Takes about, I don't know, five seconds to do all of those things. Now the obedience... That's where the obedience comes in. That's where, can you, can you train a dog to do all those things? Absolutely. Is it hard? Sometimes. But can you do it? Absolutely. Now, will the dog's relationship with the owner hinder the ability for the dog to respect those commands in reality when the dog trainer is non-existent or not there? Absolutely. I see that every single day of my life. It, it makes the majority of my job frustrating, honestly, because... I think the dog owner is like, oh, this is great. This is working. And then when I leave, sometimes the dog doesn't respond accordingly. So it is that process, which is why I really, really focus on educating the owners 
And I get a lot of crap for it on YouTube, too, where people are like, man, you talk too much. Get to the point. And a lot of times people are just searching stuff and they want to see me get bit or they want to see the dog react to me. And it's, it is what it is. And I read between the lines. But for the people who are actually on my YouTube channel or watching content on dog training in general, they're, they're wanting to learn. They're wanting to understand the full concepts of dog behavior and the process in which it is to be successful. That's why I'm so talky is because I, and I, in one of my recent videos, guys, and today's, I don't know, July 5th or 6th. No, I think it's the 6th. Um, one of my recent videos where a Germ black German shepherd, um, tries to bite me, bites his owner. Um, and I think it's titled like aggressive. Well, they're all titled pretty much aggressive dog tries to bite me because it's true. They do. But, um, anyway, in that video, I really talk about, Hey guys, I'm not training this dog for me. If I was training this dog for me, I would have put him on a slip collar really quick and I would have brought him for a long walk and came back and then not said much and just worked him on the basics and he wouldn't have had a problem. The problem is, guys, is I'm not training that dog for me. I'm training the dog for the owner, which is why it's so important for people to be to to have the ability to access to have access to certain tools to help the dog owner because this individual dog owner may be a person with a slight disability because of their age. They could be obviously not a professional dog handler with little to no experience in the things that they're doing. And nine times out of 10, to be completely honest with you guys, the reason the dog's behavior has escalated to a point of either protectiveness, anxiousness, stress, anxiety, or all the above, almost, almost every single time it has to do with the owner and the dog's relationship. I call it killing them with kindness. We become so lovey-dovey and coddly and with dogs, and we really only holler at them if they do something in public around other people because we don't want people to think that our dogs are misbehave, and they really only apply those things once a month or twice a month whenever they do something bad in the public. And then all the other times, we don't care what they do because we love them, quote-unquote, and I get it. We love our dogs, therefore we don't want to punish them, therefore we don't. And, and that's just the life of a dog owner, and, and I completely understand that. But at the same time, like it, it's just so crucial for people to understand that dogs need guidance and leadership and somebody to tell them what they can and can't do in order to be successful and to live a life without a lot of stress because dogs need that structure. And so anyway, so moving forward, with all of that in accumulation, guys, I've just been seeing so freaking much of people really struggling with, well, we got to fix this. We got to train this. We got to get this out. We got to get this in. And this has been happening for years with all of my clients. And I've never really, I don't think, discussed this like really in depth or specifically. And there's certain things that trainers have restrictions to. There's certain limitations that we have no matter how good we are and no matter how good the dog is trained. And so, like I said, if, if your dog is sleeping on the ground and your dog is by nature, by breed, by the DNA in this dog's brain is protective or even insecure or whatever, and somebody comes barging in your house yelling and screaming unannounced and your dog reacts and nips that person, literally has absolutely nothing to do with the obedience training you've been paying your dog trainer to do for the last six months, six days, six years. That's all about managing and setting the dog that we have and being conscious and respectful of the breed that we've brought into our home 
and managing the people around that breed. And I think one thing a lot of people have a problem with is they say, my dog is always usually pretty good, but it's usually pretty good around you and your family and the people that the dog has grown up with. And that's okay. But as soon as you start introducing and folding in this realistic thing, especially as COVID kind of opens up guys and we start having friends and family open again, depending on where you live, it's going to, it's going to come down back to reality of, of, of having people around and having people over. And so I always tell people that if you have a dog that is innately going to make a decision strictly based off emotion and is probably likely going to be very unresponsive to obedience training because they think they're under attack, the best thing to do, guys, is to avoid. Put that dog away in the other room so there is absolutely no mistakes to be made. You're 100% going to be successful. You're having friends and family over, guys, and you want to have a good time and not worry about what your dog feels their job is, which is respectful. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. These dogs like are genetically wired sometimes to act a certain way and we get them for that sometimes. And then we're like, oh, wait, they're too much of that. Happens all the time. And I think um, that's a different conversation, but I think people definitely need to do a little bit more research. It's not a game. When you get these really expensive bred dogs to do very specific things, border collies, um, healers, healers especially, I see it all the time. Um, they act the way they should and it doesn't flow and it doesn't fit with their lifestyle, the family's lifestyle. I can remember a time where young family came in, they had like two or three kids and the, and the dog bit somebody. Now this dog was a border collie. And if you guys know, border collies are insanely intelligent, very, very, very predatorial, prey-driven, if it moves, I'm chasing it type dogs. They're herding dogs. They're working dogs, high-class working dogs, very awesome dogs to use on the farm or in work, um, unmatched, really. And I remember like the 12-year-old that was involved said, well, I said, I kind of, I, I tried not to make my clients uncomfortable as much as I can, you know, because they're learning and a lot of people don't learn when they're uncomfortable or they feel like they're being yelled at. And so I, I just kind of said, you know, is there any particular reason why you guys got this dog? I mean, this is a, this is a suburbs family. Kids are at school. Mom and dad are both at work and they have this freaking border collie. Border collie comes in with a muzzle. It was, they were referred to me by the animal control officer locally, um, thankfully. And I said, is there any particular reason why you guys chose this breed? And I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, the kid looks at me, and like I said, he's probably 12 to 13, 14, maybe. He says, well, I Googled the smartest dog in the world or the smartest dog or whatever. And the border collie was number one. So that's what we got. And so, you know, I have a lot of empathy for people. That's part of my job. I get it. It's like, man, I want the smartest dog, but people don't realize that dogs were put on this planet to work for us in companionship. They weren't there to, to hang out and cuddle all day on the couch. So I would understand that maybe these this couple or this family thought, let's get the smartest dog so we can teach it all the cool stuff without it actually acting like the smartest dog or the busiest dog mentally. And so I think that there's just a gap, there's a void of people not understanding breeds and understanding what these breeds necessarily mean, what they are. When they see a guardianship dog, they're like, yeah, I want my dog to be protective. 
listen, guys, they're not going to pick and choose who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. They're going to they're gonna be protective over your house, over everybody. They're not going to make a memo. I, they're not going to have a list of, yep, you're good, nope, you're not good. They're going to say, this is my family, this is my kingdom. Nobody comes on this property unless I really know them, unless I've smelt them for you know, X amount of time. And I think people don't don't realize that, that when you're getting a dog, they're not politically correct. They're not, oh, oh no, it's, people do this all the time. It's, uh, it's Grandpa Joe or it's, it's Cousin Lily. It's, it's fine. They don't give a crap. They don't understand English. You're confusing them anymore. You're making things worse. So I think, like I said, I think there's this big void, but there's, there's a lot of breed stuff going on that I think people have a really hard time with because people want big, bad dogs until the dog becomes a big, bad dog. And then it's like, what did we get ourselves into? And then the dog has to be rehomed or, you know, sometimes the dog has to be euthanized because it it did its job. And I say that, you know, with respect to certain situations. And I hope you guys take this into consideration that everything I talk about here is very vast and grain of salty. And, um, of course there are certain situations where people make really, really bad mistakes and they have bad, whatever, you know, that sort of thing. So anyway, so I'm just saying, you know, in general, these things happen. And, and like I said, when you get a dog that is so instinctually driven to do certain things, I always tell people like telling a fish not to swim is not going to be a fun road. It's not going to be likely. It's not going to be successful. It's going to be frustrating. But how can we teach a fish to swim in one direction that may be a little bit more realistic? So I always tell that to people, and it really comes down to you know having unfortunate things that a lot of people think, well, if the dog just misbehaves, I'll get a trainer. I don't think the conversation is talked about enough that trainers, including myself and anybody else that's professionally dog training, has limitations. Like, yes, we can advertise as dog trainers that no dog is too much for us, but sometimes dog owners are too much for us. And that's the reality. And that's the truth. Almost every single dog I've ever worked with that's had a problem, I personally could bring that dog home and within 24 to 48 hours have the dog changed. Why? Not because I'm good at what I do. Because I understand dogs and I know what they need. And I, I speak fluent dog, if you will. It's what I do. I, I communicate more with dogs than I do with people on a regular basis. It's my job. And I transfer that. And that's just, it is what it is. And there's a lot of people that are like that out there. But that's the truth is it's not really about dog training. It's about, well, wait a minute. You've created a relationship that is unhealthy. And your dog is going to be overly protective of you because you guys are buddies. And you're not, you're not a dog owner. You're a buddy. You're, you're a cuddle partner. And the dog's going to protect you because they feel that you are very, very incompetent to handle yourself. Therefore, anybody that looks at you, anybody that drives by your house, anybody that walks by your car, anybody that steps foot on your property is a threat because your relationship tells them that that is a threat. You lay around all day, hey, buddy, I love you to death. Um, and then you go out in public and the dog says, oh, my gosh, you have no idea what you're doing. Let me handle this. Because we're not practicing enough structure. We're not practicing enough obedience. And I and it's not everybody. Um, it's just over the last couple of years, it's been more and more of a thing. Um, and I think people are in the right the right mindset. And I believe people have the right intentions to love dogs and give them everything they need except structure, which is what creates success. You know, um, 
there's certain things in life, you know, we can give a dog like the best bed or whatever, and that's great, and the best food or whatever it is. But dogs really thrive off of having structure and leadership and, and guidance. I always tell people that if you look at like a hobo or a homeless person's dog and them, that dog is usually always trained. It's usually laying, sleeping on cardboard, walking around loose leash or no leash at all. They didn't pay a professional dog trainer for any of that. They just treated the dog like an animal that it is, and their dog fell into place naturally, fell into line, and organically became a beautiful, harmonious, balanced relationship naturally because they just had they had they had what they did every day this is what we're doing you listen or you die that's it and the dog and the dogs are like oh okay so traffic's bad yeah yeah traffic's bad food's good yeah food's good you know um but i think you know as as we throw all these things into place and we get so so anyway so i think that there's there's so much here guys and i'm trying it's really hard to talk about because it's it's not really a specific thing specifically has happened but there's so many different things that have happened over the years that um, it's hard to like open a page and say this is exactly what we're dealing with. It's very, very layered, and I'm and I'm gonna continue to dive into this and, and talk about this more. And that's why I love absolutely love podcasting, guys, because it just kind of gives me an opportunity to vent um, to you guys. And there's thousands of you that listen to this, and a lot of times I don't know who you are majority of times. Um, I don't know, you know, what you're doing, where you're from, but I do know that I appreciate you guys listening. And I do know that I, I appreciate, and I'm grateful for you guys trying to do better with your dog. And so anyway, I'm going to continue on this little, I don't want to call it a rant because that kind of signal signifies that it's like, Hey, I got to talk crap about a bunch of people. And that's not what I'm doing by any means. Um, I just wanted to hop on the podcast and talk about something that I think a lot of my online clients recently have been dealing with. Um, and that's kind of what sparked it. I had an online client this morning, give you an example. Online client this morning was dealing with um, their dog being fearful. Their dog uh, was abandoned and lived on the streets for a long period of time, at least six months, raised on the streets, grew up on the streets, didn't have human structure, um, scavenged for food, um, got into dog fights. You know the whole the whole nine, and um, dog was a uh, I don't I don't know maybe the dog was rescued. It's hard to say if it's better off on the streets or not. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are. But um, dog is skittish of new people. They got the dog in. Um, dog is skittish of new people, and it's like hey you know all the advice you've given me Tom on my on your online session has been great. Um, you know, we spent an hour together going over, try this, try this, try this, and, and just, you know, expectations and things. And they're still, uh, hey, when I have people over, things are a lot better. I can tell my dog to place. She places, she downs, she stays. It's a lot more, um, I guess it's just more controlled. It's more managed. But for some reason, Tom, the dog is not uh, accepting new people. Or, hey, we're on the, we're, and again, this, this is going back to management, obedience, guys, and real, natural, instinctual behavior. So you guys saw that transfer. I'll go over another one. Hey, Tom, uh, my dog is out in public, and the healing, or the obedience, or the training, has made life a lot easier. She's not pulling on the leash. She's not lunging. She's not, uh, she's engaged with me. She's walking with me. She's paying attention. She's sitting. She's healing. All that stuff is great. 
Uh, she's happier, but for some reason, when people come up that she doesn't know, she's still nervous. Again, there's two layers there, right? Um, and lastly, I'll give just another example. Um, you know, when 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 people come over um, after all the obedience we've done, she still doesn't want anything to do with them. It's kind of like the first one. And so you guys get the idea here, I hope, where, you know, I just said, actually, Taylor was um, going back and forth with this individual and uh, my manager. And I was just saying, like, hey, you know, because we bounce back and forth stuff. There's certain things that Taylor filters, hundreds of things that Taylor filters out throughout the day that, you know, people are like, hey, Tom, uh, is an orange collar good or is a red? And I'm like, I, I, I don't need to answer that question, you know. So anyway, um, so Taylor and I work a lot about... Um, you know, putting together emails and helping each other out and making sure it's, 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 a, she's the brains behind the operation, if you will. But, uh, anyway, so I just kind of helped her with the email. I said, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and just putting in there that, Hey, you know, there's certain expectations that I think are going to be realistic and unrealistic for your dog. Um, judging by their, their first parts of life, their foundation, they're never probably going to be okay with any of the things that you want them to be okay with, but man, we've made great strides. And we've gotten much, much better. We've gotten way more confident and things are going good. I just think we as humans have way, way too high of an expectation where we think the amount of money and sometimes the amount of time we spend is going to modify a dog's internal behavior forever. It's not going to happen. And I think that that's the real, that's the real thing I'm trying to get out here, guys, is there are certain things that aren't going to go away. Your dog is going to be skittish. Your dog is going to be protectful. Your dog is going to nip or bite somebody when they barge into the house or they fall on them when they're sleeping. All those things have nothing to do with training. You can't send them away. You can't sign up for more to change those things. And I think the moment we realize that and the moment we change our expectations of, you know what, this is a lot better and I'm okay with this and I, and I understand that my dog went through some hard times or I understand that my dog is a border collie healer. It's not going to stop chasing the cat. But man, I can control it. And I can try to really audit the situation and see if this is a best fit for me and my dog and my family. And I find that often, and you know, some of my job guys, unfortunately, is taking my clients' dogs and rehoming them for them because I say, hey, look, um, we've done a lot of training and I know that you want to continue to do better, but there's certain things that aren't realistically going to go away. And um, I think that's the real thing, guys, is just understanding breeds, understanding expectations, uh, respecting our dog's breeds and how they feel they need to act. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, 4th of July was the other night or the other night. Yeah, it was the other night, guys. And, um, you know, it's a, hey, Tom, how do I get my dogs over fireworks? Um, you can't. Sure, there's things you can manage. There's certainly things you can do. But you're never going to be able to take away that innate, instinctual bombs in the sky going off. I don't know where they're coming from. I'm terrified. You can't train that. You cannot train that, guys. It's just not going to happen. Sure, there's absolutely things you can do to drown out the sounds. There's CBD. There's exercise. There's avoidance. During fireworks uh, time for me and my dogs, I bring them to the facility because it's kind of off the beaten path. And they stay there for the majority of day. Now I know, um, judging by what I heard on the 4th of July, they're going to go there all night as well, but you get the idea, guys. There's only so much dog training can do. There's only so much um, that you guys can control and how instinctual these dogs are and how they act and what decisions they make based off of emotion and protective instincts. 
And there's not much you can do to reprogram that or rewire that. Um, like I said, there's certainly management skills and desensitization things you can do to make things better. But at the end of the day, there's certainly restrictions and rules and regulations to those things. And I think that we need to pay a little bit more or actually way more close attention to making sure that we're getting the right dog for us so we don't have to make the heart-wrenching decision in the future to get rid of them. Um, and I know that um, it's not that's not applicable to all breeds. I've seen certain lazy breeds that shouldn't be. and um, But I think generally, guys, these, these are happening. And it, it's, it's heart-wrenching for me to have to tell people that, to say, but it's my responsibility. I'm not going to keep taking people's money and say, yeah, we'll fix it. We'll get better. It's like, hey, you know, we've done a good amount of stuff and your relationship with your dog is the problem. And unfortunately, your dog breed isn't going to shy away from a potential threat coming into your house because that would be the least of our worries. Your dog breed is going to say, you don't know how to handle this situation because we are buddies and I'm going to do it. And then we shun them, we get mad at them, we give them away. And they're like, what? I was just doing what, 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 ha- what, what, what? And so it's a really, really tough thing for, for me, for the dog owners, and for the dogs. So I think moral of the story, guys, is, is expectations. Understanding the dog breeds we get is our moral code of ethics of making sure that we're signing up um, for the right course, if you will, with this dog throughout their life. And we have everything and we have a lifestyle that's going to fit this dog uh, properly because taking them away from their family is really tough to do for me. Um, It's really tough for them. It's really tough for the family, of course. And um, it it can all be avoided if we do just a little bit more research and maybe even, I don't know, reach out and ask me to say, hey, do you think this is a good breed? But not yet because I'm not set up for that yet. But I think I might dabble in that a little bit, guys, just to say, hey, I have a consulting service too if you guys want to give me a little bit of – Give me a little bit of push, and uh, I can I can certainly help you with that. And it might be a little business I can start because uh, it would save people thousands and thousands of dollars and heartache and risks and whatever. So anyway, um, I appreciate you guys very much for listening. Um, I wanted to hop on here today and really express these things. I hope that these these thoughts and this conversation finds you well. I think that this is scalable podcast for dog trainers to share with their clients that are dealing or about or potentially dealing with some of these issues and maybe needs a little bit of direction on um, the right things to do and some of the things that you might have to deal with if you don't make the right decision, get the right breed for you and your family. And I also think it's just uh, it's just good for, for anybody out there that's dealing with these types of things. And so anyway, I, I thank you guys. I thank you Dogcha for sponsoring this podcast. I thank you Herm Springer for allowing me to, uh, to to sponsor this podcast as well. And I thank you guys, uh, the listeners, of course. If you guys haven't yet, don't forget, if you found this valuable, share it with your friends and share it with me, and I'll share you on my story. All you guys have to do is screenshot this and share it on your Instagram and tag me, at Tom Davis, and I'll be happy to share it. Uh, let me know what you guys thought of the podcast, of course, in the reviews below. Um, I would appreciate that very much to just get some feedback on all the hard work that I'm doing behind the scenes here to produce this show for you guys. I appreciate you guys so much, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Stay safe. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you next time. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.